Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors, endless stories. Friends in Fiction is a podcast with five best-selling novelists whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores bound them together with chats, author interviews, and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Best-selling novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. At the start of the pandemic, they got together for a virtual happy hour to talk about their books, their favorite bookstores, writing, reading, and publishing in this new uncharted territory. They're still talking, and they've added fascinating discussions with other best-selling novelists. So join them live on their Friends and Fiction Facebook group page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, or listen and view later at your leisure. Welcome to all to Friends and Fiction. We are five best-selling novelists and friends. Our common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores binds us together, and this is our weekly show. I'm Mary Alice Monroe. My latest novel is On Ocean Boulevard. And I'm Mary Kay Andrews, and my latest novel is Hello Summer. I'm Christy Woodson Harvey, and my latest novel is Feels Like Falling. I'm Kristen Harmel, and my latest novel, which comes out next month, is called The Book of Lost Names. I'm Patty Callahan Henry, and my latest is Becoming Mrs. Lewis, which is the improbable love story of C.S. Lewis and his wife, Joy Davidman. Wonderful book. And tonight, all of us are thrilled to be diving into our summer season with a wonderful author all of you probably already know, Debbie Maycomer. Debbie is the number one New York Times bestselling author of over 150 books, women's fiction and romance, 150. That is not a mistake. 13 of these novels have hit the number one spot on the New York Times list. Her stories embrace the enduring themes of family and friendships. Several of her celebrated Christmas books have been made into Hallmark Channel movies. Hallmark also produced the really very popular Cedar Cove series, starring, and we love her, Andy McDowell. But tonight, we hope you get to know Debbie a little better as a person, too. And remember, if you have a question for Debbie or for us, post it during this chat, and we will be pulling live questions from you shortly. Hello, Debbie. Hello. <laughs> We're so glad to have you. Yay, oh, so I'm, glad. I'm glad to be here. It's so fun to be here. And I want everybody to know I'm friendly. I'm just downright friendly. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody knows that. <laughs> So for all of you, as you know, all of us at Friends in Fiction are passionate supporters of independent booksellers. And each week we highlight one indie. And tonight we asked our guests to choose the store and Debbie selected the Vero Beach Book Center in Vero Beach, Florida. Love and that. we're so happy. Yeah, we love this store. It's a favorite store of Debbie, Maycomers and all of us. I think that all of us have been there. Has, haven't we all rolled through the Vero Beach Book Center? We're together. Yeah, we were there together. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. See, it's like, it has a lot of memories for us. And we'll be telling you a little bit more about them later for tonight. But just for now, know that you can buy any of our new releases, including ordering Debris soon to be released, A Walk on the Beach. And in October, Jingle All the Way from the Vero Beach Book Center, and they are graciously offering you 10% off. So the link to the bookstore is posted on the Facebook page. So, okay, let's begin. All the housekeeping is done. How is everyone tonight? Anybody have some special news or anything you'd like to share? I went yeah. to a restaurant for the first time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's good news. That's special. <laughs> that is a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope it was worth the, the risk. Did you have to wear a face mask when you walked in? No, but there's no such thing as salt shakers anymore or sugar canisters or anything like that. 
And the menus are, it's, you put your phone over it and you, you're, the menu comes up on your phone. There's a little tag yeah. thing in the middle of the table. So it was, it was interesting. It was different. What do they do about salt and pepper? Do they give you little packets or something? Yes. I haven't been out yet. Yes. The little little packets that you open and sprinkle oh, and then amazing. reach for another. <laughs> do they give you dishes? If I mean, you went in the restaurant or did you eat outside in the patio? No, we were in the restaurant. I was meeting with my book club today. Oh. And we went into the restaurant. And, but it did take a long time to get the service. And I think because they're doing so much takeout. Sure. Oh, yeah. And now were all the tables spaced very far apart? Like, what, yes. did you feel okay? Yeah. When we only allowed five at a table. So a part of the, so we were kind of doing musical chairs sharing. Wow. Well, Debbie, was like, this in Port Orchard or was this on, um, you had to leave your little island, right? Because yeah, Debbie Gig was Harbor. saying. Yeah, we're okay. on a peninsula. It's not an island. So we're on a peninsula. So I was in Gig Harbor. And will you tell them a little bit about your, your place? We'd always like to talk about how we've been spending the last few months sheltering in place. And that's actually how Friends in Fiction began. So how have you been spending the last few months? Well, Wayne and I have two homes. We lived in Florida for 20 years, uh, wintered in Florida, and then that was just so far from Washington State that we decided, you know, it was just so hard for the kids to come and join us. So we sold the home there, and we bought one here on Hood Canal, and we have 22 acres here, and we're our uh, six acres right on the canal itself. So, and lots and lots of oysters and crab and uh, shrimp and clams, so many clams, and they're the... We go out and we have, you don't even dig for them. You just take a rake and they're just right there. Oh, it's, yeah. So terrible to tease us like that. <laughs> oh. Lots of oysters. And um, then I, I have this little office here with a little desk. And uh, it's very different than I have because in, in Port Orchard, not only do I have an office at that house, but I also have a main office where my whole team is. So How does that happen? Lovely. About that, I don't have an office with a team. So tell me what that's like. Well, it started years ago. Let's see. Uh, probably about the late '90s. I'm not like other people because I married as a teenager, and mm -hmm. I started a writing career at the kitchen table with a rented typewriter, which tells you how long ago that was. And most everybody I know that's a writer wanted to uh, earn enough money producing books to quit their jobs and go home and write. I was just the opposite. I wanted to make enough money to get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I rented an opposite and uh, so many wonderful things that came about. I had one little assistant and uh, then later I got a bookkeeper and then later with social media, I got somebody that specialized in social media. And then as my career expanded, somebody in marketing and it just kind of expanded. So now I have eight employees. Wow. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Every time I, I sit down at my computer, I think I'm paying for the lifestyles of eight other people. <laughs> <laughs> you better be good, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, well, I, that was very educational. So I got to say, I learned a lot tonight. I need a building and I need seven more employees. <laughs> yeah, ladies, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> we, we've gone wrong somewhere. <laughs> well, I learned a long time ago to do what I do best, which is right. I mean, I'm terrible at social media. I'm terrible at marketing. I'm, you know, although my daughter says I was social media before there was social media. Because yeah. remember, yeah, yes, I've written 150 books, but a lot of them were Harley Quinn and Silhouette books. And I've been writing for over 40 years. So I have a long history. I have yes. seen the, the industry change so completely. That's absolutely amazing. I can't imagine, you know, what, what you've seen in your career and how much things have changed. And um, especially with social media. I mean, I think about that all the time about just, you know, I mean, I started when I started writing, social media was already a thing. So you already knew that was going to have to be kind of a part of your career. But I can't imagine, you know, having this career and then all of a sudden people being like, oh, and by the way, you need to have a whole nother job now because it is like a whole other job. So I think that's amazing. And it's so smart that you did that. Well, early on in my career, I knew I wanted to hear from my readers. My dad had his own business. He was an upholster. And I learned so many valuable lessons about being a businesswoman from him. I mean, when you grow up, it isn't like, oh, that's a valuable lesson. I should remember. You know, it's just part of the culture that, you grew, that I grew up in. So I knew he always kept 
and contact with his customers. He knew when their birthdays were. Uh, he remembered them at Christmas time. And so I was actually the very first author that ever had their mailing address in one of my books. Wow. And, wow. and it started, I started collecting names. I remember the very first fan letter I got and how much it meant to me. And over the years, the readers have guided my career. I have changed the way I've done things about three or four different times simply on feedback from the readers. The Christmas books is a, a good example. The first Christmas book I wrote for um, Mira was um, the size of a paperback in hardcover, and it was 100 pages. And the mail I got was, love you, love the story, wanted more. Well, I've always wanted to be a value-added author, and I was contracted for three Christmas books. The, the publisher didn't pay me a penny more, but I increased the, the length of the books to 250 pages. And this, the sales escalated. The, the cookbooks I've done. By the way, Mary Kay, I love your cookbook. We all do, yeah. <laughs> uh, that came as a direct result from the readers. Cedar Cope series became a direct result from reader feedback. So they have guided my career all along. You know, you sort of answered oh, my question because, <laughs> because that was I mean, it's literally my question. <laughs> answered all our questions because no, it's so I, fascinating. I still have mine. Let me segue into mine and then we'll move on because we all have questions for you, Debbie. Um, <laughs> but I, I know that I've known you for a long time. Um, more than 25 years. It's got to be 35, actually. But one of the things that I've always watched and I thought would, I admired was how you were able to move and, and stretch and not just in your writing. And you mentioned how you did, you know, you've done romance and you've done women's fiction and you've done Christmas. You, know, you just moved on. But also, um, I think that your Debbie Maycomer is, is, has a, a name that has a... The word I use is brand, and I don't mean that. I mean that positively. Yeah. It stands yeah. for something. Yeah. And I'm curious because you took that out to do your magazine and your knitting in communities, and you're a spokesperson for World Vision, which I admire very much. And it's just that you're stretching out. And I have to say, is that from what I'm hearing you say is from what you hear from your readers, or is there something else a message that you're trying to get out. What is it that propels this expansion of so many ideas? And you really have your hand, your, your brand stretches out. It really does. So what is the, is it, you said the readers, but is there more? Well, first of all, what, what inspires me is like a house payment, but. <laughs> you have to that. Uh, you know, I am a creative person, and that creativity comes out in, in many ways. You know, it comes out in the knitting. It comes out in the, in the passions that I have. And um, the readers yeah, always inspire me, you know, no matter what they, what they say. And, and they're not always positive, you know. I have, I've, had, I've taken my kicks over the years. Uh, but I, but I, learned, I learn as I go along. And, I, you know, as I started writing, it's harder for me as I'm maturing as a woman of certain age, to, harder to write about a 25-year-old falling in love. And so I kind of naturally went into more of women's fiction and friendships and marriages and other things. So if that answers your question, I hope it does. It does. Yeah, it does. But again, it's... It does. Thank you so much. I know we all have a question, so I'm going to let, uh, how about Kristen? You you have a question. Great. Debbie, this has all been so fascinating to hear you talk about your career and talk about how you've grown it and everything. Um, you know, we were talking about, right before we went live, about how prolific you are. And we were joking about how you write seven books a year, and you said, oh, no, not anymore, just two, which yeah. still blows my mind <laughs> because I, I struggle to write one. So can you talk a little bit about how you've managed to be so productive both now and during that time in your career when you were writing, you know, I don't know, five or six books or however many a year? And not just how you've done that, but how you do it and stay sane, because that to me would be where I would go off track. <laughs> well, I think that has been the hardest thing of my career is finding that balance. 
the balance between that's actually one of the reasons I had moved out of the house is so I could keep my work life separate from my private life. And one of the things that Wayne and I do every year is that the first part of the year, we decide where we're going to go, who we want to see, and what we want to do. And I carve my writing then around those times. So, um, and as for the stories themselves, um, I learned early on in my career that I had to, because I, I have story ideas all the time. I mean, like I said, I'm creative. And, and those story ideas, I had to decide which story to develop. And so I developed five words. And if the plot or the premise stands up to these five words, I know I've got a good idea. Okay, and I got my pen. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yes, give us your okay. okay, Debbie, we're ready. We're, we're ready. ready. We're ready. Okay. <laughs> relevant. First word. Next word, provocative. I want my readers to think. I want to get, put them in a situation that they can so easily see themselves in. And then what would they do? Uh, the next word is creative. It has to be told in the most creative way I can think to tell it. It has to be realistic. The reader has to be able to suspend their disbelief. And it has to be entertaining. I barely made it out of high school. I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm dyslexic. I did not learn to read until the fifth grade. Wow. And I mean, we were talking earlier about some of our school experiences. Uh, Mary Kay was talking about, <laughs> you should tell them, Mary Kay. <laughs> Your math professor? My math, no, my math, high school math teacher, I was taking uh, algebra as a senior in high school and everybody else in the class was a freshman or sophomore. And I would sit in the back and cut up. And finally, the teacher told me if I would shut up and quit disturbing my neighbors, he'd pass me. <laughs> I love that story. I love that. So, so uh, I, I had a terrible time growing up in school. And, and uh, so I, I married young. I was still a teenager when Wayne and I got married. And uh, we had the four babies right away. And um, it was a dream I'd always held close to my heart. But I, I didn't dare tell anybody. The only person I ever told I wanted to write books was the principal of our high school. And I attended a Catholic girls' school. And uh, it was Sister Anna Marine. And she interviewed each one of us girls. This is back in 1966. Uh, about what we were going to do with our lives. What, we, what was our intention for the future. And I said, I want to write books. And, you know, even now I can still remember that kind of sad look that came over her. And uh, <laughs> she, she basically, she sent me home to think about this. She did. Oh. She sent me home. And what she was saying to me, although she didn't say the words, was that I needed to think about a career that was more in, in line with my intelligence level. Oh. Because I barely graduated from high school. I mean, I did. I, I struggled for years to learn how to read. And uh, but I think it's just kind of God's joke. You know, he takes somebody who yeah. didn't learn to read and makes him a best-selling author. Yeah. But I'm still, very, I'm still a very creative speller, too. <laughs> awesome. Uh, who else has a question they'd like to ask Debbie? Um, Patty, you've got one, right? So I was going to ask you about the movies because we're all fascinated about how it feels to have your, your work adapted but we were all talking before we got online and we were talking and then right when we got online about how much you've seen. And I'm, I really am dying to know, um, what do you think the biggest difference is, the cha biggest change in publishing from when you started till now? Like how, what, what, what do you feel has changed the most? Because your sales have only grown and, and your readers have only grown, but even only in the 18 years I've been publishing, I have seen such huge changes. And I'm kind of wondering what you think the biggest shift has been. I'm glad you asked that. That's a good question. Uh, definitely. I think it's the online. Mm. Because there's so many doors are open up to uh, writers. We do not have to go through a publisher. Right. We can publish our own. And that has just opened the door for so many talented authors it, it took me five years back in a time when it was booming it was like the whole women's um up, this is back in uh 82 is when i sold my first book 1982 wow. and the door had opened for women authors 
And I don't know, it, it was a man's world. It really was. In fact, if you look at all of the prolific and best-selling authors that, of my generation, we all came through the door marked romance. That wow. was the only door that was open to us. Interesting. We, we were talking Nora Roberts, Sandy Brown, uh, Jane Krantz, you know, Linda Lale Miller. We, that was the door we came through. So that was a very narrow door for anybody that wanted to write anything different. Uh, like in your interview last week with Krista Hanna, she was told, you know, I'm not, she wasn't fit, quite fit into that genre. Mm. And uh, so that, that has changed a lot. So that for women authors, the door is wide open now where it hadn't been before. And the online has changed everything. I read a lot of authors that, aren't published in the traditional way. Very talented authors. So I think that that's one of the big changes. And I noticed that those books you wrote in the beginning, you know, the ones that you walk through the door of romance and, and they, that you've rebranded all of those, republished them, put new covers on them, taken them back out in the world. So even though the world has shifted, they, people still want those books. It's amazing to me because the, it was so different. I mean, uh, those early books, I mean, there were a nurse, there was a secretary, there was a teacher. <laughs> that, was, uh, yeah. that was one of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right, the nurse. <laughs> yeah. And you so, know, the law now says after 35 years, you can get your books back. Right. So uh, I'm in that stage now where I can collect the books back and publish Isn't that them wonderful? myself. I was wondering because you you really got a lot done and I was wow I was I didn't realize that that would be 35 years already isn't it amazing how time flies uh, Debbie? Yes, yes and then 40 40 some of the books that I wrote do not have the uh, uh you know it, it just I can do I have the online ones I can do the ebooks with them so but you know Marvelous. there's nothing better than holding a book in your hand there yeah. just really isn't and uh, although I do read online, uh, especially when I'm traveling, I, I almost always have a, a physical a book, in, book in my hand. Yeah, you know, Debbie, I, I was—I hadn't thought about you know the door that you came through was marked romance. I started my first book came out in '92, and the big gateway then was mystery. Right. Ah. To Grafton and Sarah Paretsky and Marsha Muller. Um, you know, it had been a it had been a boy's game for many, 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 many years. And they kind of they kind of were the trailblazers um, for people like me to come in the door. And then, you know, along the way, my career changed as all of our careers have changed. But the question I have I was thinking about for a woman of your accomplishment and experience is, is there an idea that you are itching to explore. Is there a story? I mean, last week, Kristen, we talked with Kristen about what scares her that she had to write. And this week I thought, I wonder if there's a, an idea, a story that scares or intimidates somebody like Debbie McComber. Not so much a story. Recently, I, uh, I think I was telling Mary Alice about this. Uh, I had a story idea that I absolutely loved. And I mean, it was just, pounding inside of me. And so I wrote up the synopsis and I was, I sent it off to my, um, my, both my agent and my editor. And I said, I just hope you love this idea as much as I do. And they came back. No, we don't love it at all. Oh, no. and, and I was like, no. And I thought about it, uh, you know, about, about a week. And then I, I let him know. And I said, I have to write this story. I cannot not write this story. And uh, I said, I'm going to write it, and it's a total on speculation. If you don't want it, um, I'll hold it off and until my at the end of my contract, and then I'll, I'll take it elsewhere. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to blackmail them, you know. So, um, But it literally, the story has poured out of me, just poured. I love that. Yeah. Love that so That's I, so cool when that, that happens, happens, and you just got to let it go. You got yeah. it. I just told them I cannot not write this book. I have to do it. Can you tell us anything about the inspiration for the book? I don't want you to tell the whole thing, but is there one, was there one trigger that made you think, oh, I have to do this no matter what? No, it was just a story idea that I came up with that aligned with those five words in stars. You know? uh, <laughs> I, 
love that. And good for you for writing it. Good for you for writing it. Christy, you have a question, I know, and it's been probably modified after all this talking, but you (laughs) But that's the great thing. So it was so funny, Debbie, because I was going to say to you, you do such an amazing job interacting with your readers and you know, how much do they influence you? But you obviously told us that. Um, But I'm so interested, you know, different authors say different things about you know, when they're writing, either, you know, they're writing the story that they have to tell versus they're really picturing like their target reader or they're picturing, you know, who is going to pick up this book and love it. Do you picture, like, do you have a target reader in your mind when you're writing your book or is it just, this is the story that I have to tell and, you know, my audience will love it or it will find its audience? Actually, we did a research on the readers themselves, and we divided them into groups. There was like Jennifer, there was like, and uh, different age groups, and we decided, you know, which of the stories fit with each group. And that's the amazing thing that I've been blessed with, because a lot of grandmothers and daughters and granddaughters read the books. So it's all across the board. They, this, and I have a special reader. We call her the generational reader who, like, if I put in something that's obviously somebody that's much younger would not, like, just a, a simple thing, like, she picked up her cell phone. And the generational reader says, we don't call it a cell phone. We call it a phone because that's all it is now. <laughs> you know, simple things like that. You know, you don't, I don't, wouldn't even think about um, I wouldn't either. I know. And my friend Susan Wiggs has a, I don't know how you exactly call her, but it's somebody that reads to it to make sure she's not offending anybody. Sensitivity read. Sensitivity reader. Yeah. Sensitivity reader. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Boy, that's a whole new thing in our, that we didn't have um, in 35 years ago. No. Boy, we didn't at all. Well, we had, I'm looking at the time, and we all had great questions, but um, I'd like to take a moment to remind everyone to support local booksellers whenever and wherever you can. This is a tough time for all locally owned businesses, and as people who love books, all of us can do a little bit of good by lending a bit of support to booksellers. So each book you buy, and in indie, consider a good deed. So at the same time, you get some great new books, you support all the authors you love, and the literary community is thriving, so it's win-win. So if you're interested in picking up one of our new releases tonight, my book is On Ocean Boulevard, Christie's is Feel Like Falling, Patty's Becoming Mrs. Lewis, Kristen's upcoming book, brand new, soon to be here, The law, the Book of Lost Names, Mary Kay's Hello Summer, and Debbie's You Get to Pre-Order, it'll be out very soon, A Walk on the Beach, please take advantage of the great 10% discount at Vero Beach Book Center. The code they want us to use is FRIENDS10. That's FRIENDS10. And the link is on the Friends and Fiction page, and you can go or call the store. They're ready for you. We also want to remind you again to join Friends and Fiction. It's a group. It's on Facebook, if you haven't already. This is the place to watch our live episodes, to join in our discussions, and we're going to be talking about the book discussions that are coming up, and to find out more about all of us. So we'll also be doing some giveaways there this summer, so stay tuned, and I hope you will join. So the five of us have had a chance to ask some questions of our guest, Debbie, and now we'd like you to do the same. So what I've done is taken two questions from our website in advance for Debbie. So Debbie, these are for you and anyone else can chime in. And then Christy, in a moment later, you can pull up a few live. All right, this first one up is from Doris Yates Biddicks. And she says, Debbie, and this is hard, I'm sure, with all the books you've written, which book was the most fun to write? Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow, is right. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, probably a Christmas book that I wrote years ago called The Christmas Basket. And it's just Mm -hmm. a very fun book, right, where two women are mortal enemies and their children decide to get married. And they, oh, there's a, 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 they're just funny scenes in it. And I was laughing, laughing all the way through it. It was, it was just a, a fun book to write. Yeah, I don't think I've ever written a book that I could say I've laughed, cried my way through it, perhaps. <laughs> but no, not laughed my way. I have How about the rest too. of 
Anybody else had a fun book to read, to write? I'll tell you, mine was my 2012 novel, The Sweetness of Forgetting. Um, it took place in Paris and it revolved around bakeries. And I decided that I was going to write recipes for it because it was about a bakery in Cape Cod that was inspired by the recipes the grandmother brought back with her from Paris. Mm. Uh, but my research for it basically involved spending a ton of time in Paris and eating all the pastries. I mean, I had to, right? You know, because I it was about not to give too much away about the book, but there were Muslim pastries, Jewish pastries, like it had to come from those backgrounds. So I had to try everything. And then multiple poor times baby. I had to write the oh, recipes. So. Poor baby. Oh, poor baby. looks like that. I mean, it's not fair. <laughs> Life is not fair. You can only see me from like here up. Like you, you have no idea what's going on down here. That was a few years ago. That was a few years ago. Oh my goodness. Being home has been so, oh my goodness. I, I have what I call COVID 10, the 10 pounds I've gained since I've been home. So I think I we had, all have COVID 10. I had a doctor's appointment today and I was complaining and they said, oh, we call that the COVID kush. Oh. <laughs> the doctor said that? Yeah, COVID kush. Everybody has it. You know, it's fine. <laughs> oh, good. I don't feel so bad. I got in the pool for the first time today and I started, I thought I was going to drown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what I miss the most has been swimming. I'm a, a swimmer and, uh, yeah. you know, I would go every day and the pool has been closed for months. Oh, I really feel yeah. like. All right. Well, Barbara Hill. She says, series are standalones. I love your books, but how do you decide when and where your new idea for books takes you back to a series or to a standalone book? That's a good question. I think that uh, actually it's the readers that really started me on the series. I mean, the, the lengthy series. I'd, I'd done a four and five book series before, and, and the readers were the ones that said, well, it's hard for us. Well, it was hard for me to leave the characters, and they, they said they didn't want to either, and so that's when I started the Cedar Cove series. But because series are so popular, even though the books are basically kind of standalone, the publisher tends to put them in a series like New Beginnings. Right. So each story stands alone, but each the overall theme of it is New Beginnings. And... Uh, yeah, so in the, the book I'm currently writing, uh, if they take it, could very <laughs> easily be a trilogy because it takes place in a condo building. Okay. Fine. How about anyone else? Well, Christy, you wrote a series. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I wish I had a better answer than this, but it was basically that the editor asked me to write a series, and I was terrified. Like, I really related to what Kristen Hanna said last week about doing things that terrify you, because I'm working on something now that terrifies me also. But I, you know, I had no idea, and I just said yes, because I was like, okay, I mean, this is an opportunity, and I'm going to do it. Um, but I also agree. I feel like, you know, Peachtree Bluff was going to be three books. It was always going to be three books. But I've had so many people ask for a fourth book in the series that there's a part of me that thinks, you know, I have an idea now that I really love. And I, there's a part of me that thinks, why not? I mean, if that's what the readers want to read, yeah. why not? I mean, Mary Alice, I'm sure you can relate to that. Like, I think there have been a lot of times that you've said, I'm finished with the beach house. And then, <laughs> you know, all these great stories keep coming to you. I know it's and you feel blessed that people say I'd like to have more of the series it's yeah. it's you're fortunate and and yet there's always that other book that that you just just right yeah. there and you just want to get it out so, so we so have Christy to figure out how, how Debbie does it man I, I'm just I need to wrap my head around how to be that prolific it's amazing <laughs> well I want you to know when I did the series books I did the, the I did six books set in Alaska and they, remember these were the Harlequin books they were and six books set in Texas and four books set in North Dakota I plotted those books all the way through all six books before oh, I, wrote, wow. I wrote word one so I knew I had the Bible I had every single story plotted Oh, Debbie, I haven't heard that word in years. The Bible. Yeah. That's what we called it back in the day. The Bible was when when one writer or many writers were working on a series, they, the, the core story. I haven't heard that word in a while. And that's really what, people, what you have to do when you do that long. When you're doing a series especially. Yeah. I never did that. <laughs> did you ever write a series, Mary Kay? I wrote, I started out with a series. I, I wrote eight Callahan Garrity mysteries. Oh, the mystery series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. 
I, I wrote what I thought would be a longer lived series of two books set in Florida. And uh, the second one didn't go so well. So my publisher said, Mwah. and then when I wrote Savannah Blues, I thought that was a standalone, but people kept saying, what happens next? And I was, and I kept saying, I, no, I've done a series. I, I, you know, I sort of gave myself a, um, I rebranded myself and um, as Mary Kay Andrews, and I, I didn't intend to do a series, but Savannah Blues spoke to people. And so then there was a second one, a Savannah Breeze, and then there was Blue Christmas and Christmas Bliss. So, but I never. I always, I always think of them not as standalones too. I mean, in yours, I, that's how I see them in my mind. <laughs> it was not in, I mean, you know, they, I wrote them as standalones that have a, a common thread, but I wasn't organized enough. I wish I had been um, to write a Bible. I think I had a Bible um, when I was writing the the mystery series. Mm-hmm. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> Christy, do we have any uh, questions from the live audience tonight? Sure do. Um, first of all, while I'm pulling them up, um, Debbie, several people have asked if you would mind repeating your five words again. People really loved that. I think we have a lot of writers on here. Sure. Relevant, provocative, creative, entertaining, realistic. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So I love this question and I don't know if we all will have a good answer to it, but it's so good. So Sharon person wants to know when you got your first book deal, or maybe not even your first one, like if there was some book deal in your life that you got that you splurged on something for yourself that you really wanted. And I think that's such a good question. Okay. (laughs) Wayne and I have been Seahawk fans for, we love football. I grew up with football. Uh, football has been just part of my life. I mean, my brother and cousins played in high school. So football is very important to us. It's a very big of a family thing. And so we've had season tickets to the Seahawks since year two, which is you know, like 30-some oh. years now. And when I got my big deal from Random House, we got a suite. <laughs> wow. Now, now that's family. a splurge. That is a splurge, yes. And this is our 10th year now of having that suite. Thank you, Random House. Wow. Pictures from the suite, Debbie. Debbie always posts pictures on social media of whoever she's got in the suite with her. And it's they're always dressed in their Seahawks jerseys. It's so much fun to see. (laughs) Don't you want the friends in fiction in the suite? Yes, I I think you should have us all. You're available. Thank you. So, Debbie, the next time we have you, we'll visit the suite. We'll watch a game and then (laughs) oysters at your place next time. (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody else want to answer that? I think that's such a cute question. I can remember telling my husband that when I got my book deal that we were going to dinner someplace special. <laughs> I had very low expectations. <laughs> so we went we went to dinner at the Ritz Carlton in Buckhead, which was the fanciest restaurant in Atlanta. In nineteen ninety two, well nineteen ninety one when I got the book deal and I can remember we, I mean, it was very fancy for us and our kids were nine and five and we're having this, what we thought was a lavish dinner. And the uh, waiter came over to the table and said to my husband, sir, I have a phone call for you. And I'm like, oh, it's probably my publisher. It was a babysitter. Oh, no. remember the one time the first time I I had a deal that made me feel like I can do more than than just you know pay the credit card bills I went and bought this tiny little piece of jewelry and it was this little angel and I still wear her I'm surprised I don't have her on I still wear her all the time and I think I've owned her for like 12 years Mm -hmm. and one time I lost her for like two days and you know, we all lose little trinkets and, and wonder. And she just represented so much to me, this idea that I could, you know, sign a deal for something I love to do. And about three days later, I found her on the floor of my office. And I, was like, yes. <laughs> I still wear her a lot. Yeah. It's like the Carrie necklace in Sex in the City. You know, when she yeah. uses her Carrie necklace. Yeah, me and Carrie. Oh, yes. 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 <laughs> Carrie. 
<laughs> well, I have to be honest. I, you know, for so many years, Marcus and I, he was in the NIH and we were rubbing one dime against the other. And um, any jewelry we had was, of course, hand-me-downs because, you know, from the mother gives it to the daughters, the grandmother, that kind of thing. But to get something you want just for yourself. So now whenever I, um, a book does well, I, I don't, it doesn't have to be big, but I buy myself a little something <laughs> just for me. And it's because my mother didn't give it to me. My husband didn't give it to me. I gave it to me. Yeah. yeah. And there's a certain kind of, um, pride in saying, I, what is it that L'Oreal, I'm worth it mm -hmm. just a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Any, anybody else? Oh, Kristen, what do you do? Come on. I know there's something. Yeah, there's, there's really not. Not that I can. <laughs> you know, I, I sold my first book in 2004 for $15,000, which wasn't that much. And I was working as a freelance reporter for a magazine at the time. And I was single. So it, it was just me paying the bills. And so, yeah, I think I just used it to pay my mortgage and pay my bills and stuff. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I, gosh, should I go out and do something? Oh, yeah. there's time. Now it's time. Yes. <laughs> the Definitely. only thing that I've ever done, and I really did think to myself today, I was like, you know what? I feel like I should do something to like commemorate, you know, get a piece of jewelry or like get something like that. But I remember saying when I got my first book deal, I love really nice purses. That's like my, you know, my favorite. Well, that's like jewelry. Well, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, when <laughs> I get my first book deal, I'm going to go to New York. I mean, I we went to New York every year anyway. So it wasn't like I like got on a plane and went to New York, but I was like, I'm going to go buy like whatever, you know, bag I really, really want that year. And so I did do that. And that was kind of exciting and fun. What a fun question. I I, yeah, that was really all right. Anyway, on every Friends and Fiction episode, we try to give you a writing tip. And I know, obviously, a lot of people are taking notes from Debbie's five words. So there must be a lot of young writers out there. So we hope that Debbie, why don't you begin by offering us a tip for writing that you think might help some young writer out there beginning a novel? We're an old writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, young my, by not age, thank you very much, but young in the scheme of things. How's that? I what, set what, a schedule for myself long before I was ever published. I would write so many pages a day. And I do this even now. I, when I have a deadline, I take an old-fashioned just calendar page and I write down how many pages I need to write every day to meet my deadline. And I don't stop until those pages are done. And now there are days that the words just come so easily. And then there are days that I struggle. But at the, when I open a book, I don't know which day was what, which chapter or what day. It's a book and it's finished. And I have had more opportunities in my career as an author for this simple reason. I have always met my deadlines. And it's just that very simple trick of planning ahead of how many pages I need to write each day. Right. Brilliant. Right. Sometimes we talk about words, like how many words did we get in? You know, mm. build a chart. How many words? You know, did we get that many words done this morning? How many pages you got done? And it's, um, you know, what we always tell writers and I tell myself is just a few of those and they add up. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, you do them in the morning, you do them in the afternoon, whenever you do them. But your per pages per day means by the time you're done, they've added up to a book. Yeah. Exactly. That's good advice. Thank you. Um, also, one of the things we always like to do is to ask each other what each other are reading. So anyone today have a book you've been reading that you'd like to talk to us about? Well, I just finished today. I finished the book Foxed by uh, Sandra Brown. I just oh, finished uh, it today, so I'm looking for my next read now. Uh, the book that our book club is reading, it's a, it's a nonfiction book club, and it's a really good one. It's called The Lost Women of the Bible. Ooh, nice. uh, it's it's uh, 10 women from scripture. And uh, it's just been a really interesting book. So, All right. These are good suggestions. And Christy, Kristen, you were saying, you and Patty. Oh, I, Mary Kay and I somehow are reading the exact same, like all, um, every book we named. I'm like, oh, me too. So Mary Kay, you want to go first? <laughs> so I have been hearing about this book called Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. And I've been hearing so much about it that I actually started reading it last night. 
And then Kristen and I were texting back and forth and she said, well, okay, I'm reading that too. And I said, <laughs> well, I said okay, well, I'm going to talk about a book that I'm also getting ready to read. And it's this one called Perfect Happiness. <laughs> <laughs> You're both reading the same one again. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kristen, when does Perfect Happiness come out? It actually just came out yesterday by Kristen Kusek Lewis. We mentioned it a few weeks ago on the show, but I'm such a fan of this author and of this book. And I think it's hilarious that we both have it. <laughs> <laughs> but but wait, I, I have one more. I okay. just got this from Book People. Um, I ordered it a, about a week and a half ago. And look, it's Losing the Moon oh. by the lovely uh. Patty Callahan Henry. <laughs> and I'm so excited to dive in. It just got here, but it just feels so beautiful in my hands. And I'm so excited. Oh, that's, it's a good one. You're going to enjoy it. It's an old one, but I want to give a shout out to a debut that, um, I did an event with her about three weeks ago and I immediately ordered the book from our independent bookseller and I'm fascinated. It is so brilliant. It is called Shiner and it is by Amy Jo Burns. And um, the first time I heard about it was Wiley Cash, who we all love, posted about it. It's Appalachian, but it is set in Appalachia, and it's a, which isn't the correct terminology, but a snake handling preacher. They're called oh. something. And it is brilliant and it is fascinating. And she's a gorgeous writer and she's interesting. And she had a memoir out um, a couple years ago, but this is her first novel. And it was reviewed in the times and, and just got this gorgeous review and between the Wiley and that review, and then doing an event together, I was like, I have to read this and read this book. everything I want it to be. It's really beautiful. And the book well, is in the other room. So sorry. Will everybody post their suggestions yes. on the fate friends and fiction page. Yes. So we can have a discussion about it during the week. All right. Uh, we have a very special giveaway. Mary Kay, why don't you tell us about it? <laughs> Mary Kay's like what <laughs> I can bring a giveaway of all of the friends and fiction uh, our latest novels and plus Debbie we've got your new one we're going to give away too right yep that's right a walk on the beach yes you have that I don't have it how did you no but we're going to do it we're going to get it later and it will be sent out later once it comes oh, okay. out. <laughs> that one's coming later. That one's an IOU. Yes. Yeah. So, so you, every, if you're joined Friends in Fiction, and we hope you have, you can go there. And we have until what? Friday, June 12th. Yep. We will make the announcement. At noon. Yep, Friday at noon, I think. Enter for the drawing. And remember to do all the things <laughs> we ask you to do. Follow the authors, um, because lots of times people don't follow the instructions and then they fail math like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's a great giveaway. Imagine getting all the books and it's a lot of fun. And we it's just sort of what we want to do for Friends in Fiction. We want to welcome you all to our page and make you so glad you're here. Also, for more fun, we crossed the 6,000 mark of followers this week for Friends in Fiction. So, I mean, thank you all for joining. Y'all keep pouring in and y'all are welcome. So to celebrate, we randomly chose one name from all the followers to receive a $60. We give $10 for every thousand that comes. So we now have $60 gift certificate from tonight's bookseller, the Vero Beach Book Center. And the woman who won today is Trudy Todd Moorhead. Trudy Todd Moorhead. So congratulations, you've won the gift certificate and we will message you tomorrow so that we can get that all sent to you. The other exciting news going on is we are so excited about the upcoming season that we're having. We are inviting guests to Friends in Fiction. And Patty, why don't you let everyone know who's coming? So Debbie, when we found out you were coming, we, we all called each other and texted. And we're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We can't believe we get to talk to Debbie and then Kristen Hannah last <laughs> week. But then it keeps going. We keep having these group texts that are like, we're so thrilled to be able to talk to the people we're talking to. And every single one of them is fascinating and interesting and a huge bestseller. So starting next week on June 17th, I'll be hosting and we'll be talking to Lisa Wingate, 
who is the author, of course, of Before We Were Yours, and the new one, which is The Book of Lost Friends, which is not to be confused with our own Kristen Hormel's The Book of Lost Names. I know. Um, and then the week after that, on July 1st, while you're getting ready for your 4th of July weekend, we have the ever-loved Delia Owens of Where the Crawdads Sing. And I know all of you have a million questions for her. On July 15th, we will be talking to Jasmine Guillory. And on July 22nd, we are going to, we're going to have musical guests. And it's not me. (laughs) And we're going to hoop it up. (laughs) It's not me because I can't sing or play an instrument. But it is um, Ken Block and Drew Copeland of Sister Hazel. So excited. Really excited. So we're going to have music. On August 5th, we will be talking to Ellen Hildebrand. And on August 12th, Karen Slaughter. And on August 19th, Christina McMorris. Okay, and I'm going to interrupt you because on September 2nd, we're actually, um, we just found out, and I'm going to not say her name correctly, um, but I believe it's Atoff Room, and she wrote, A Woman Is No Man. Um, and so she's actually going to be our guest on September 2nd. We just found out. So I'm very excited. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to interject that while you're on a roll. <laughs> yep. Well, that was the last one. So, and, and then we have a actually, I, I think Fiona Davis. Did we miss mentioning Fiona Davis also? On July 29th. Yeah, Fiona Davis. July 29th. So we are packed with wonderful authors coming to visit. And Debbie, you you started the herd. <laughs> you really did. Thank you so much. This is this is really a, a treat for us to have you here, Debbie, and to have all the authors come and talk to us. We hope you enjoyed as much as we do. That's our program for tonight. Um, Debbie, I want everyone out there to pre-order a walk on the beach. It'll be, uh, you know, it'll be a wonderful read and it's summer, the summer favorite. And that's saying a lot from all of us summer authors. And along with all the other authors here tonight, we have a wonderful roster of books and we hope you support the Vero Beach Book Center, who's giving you a 10% discount with Friends 10 code. I want to thank you all for joining us. And please, again, join us on the Friends in Fiction Facebook group and meet us back here on Friends in Fiction next week when, as Patty just said, our guest will be a very dear friend, Lisa Wingate. And she that's Wednesday night, June 17th. 7 p.m. We will all be back here. Debbie, one more time. Thank you you, for coming in all the way tonight. Thank you, everyone. And that's our show. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you, Debbie. I learned so much. Thank you, Debbie. Good night. You've been listening to the Friends and Fiction Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Friends and Fiction podcast wherever you listen. And if you're enjoying it, leave a review. You can find the Friends and Fiction authors at www.friendsandfiction.com, as well as on the Facebook group page, Friends and Fiction. Come back soon, okay? There are still lots of books, writing tips, interviews, publishing news, and bookstores to chat about. Goodbye. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.